Welcome everyone to this episode of Bondcast, the podcast series where we discuss the biggest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm John Briggs. I'll be guest hosting with Imogen on holiday this week, and I'm joined by Jan Navruzzi and Giles Gale. Right into it. We're in this uh, week of a period where we don't have any central bank meetings, but it's in between the ECB from last week and then the Fed and Bank of England, as well as uh, several Scandi central bank meetings next week. So that gives us the opportunity to talk a little bit about both. Um, we're going to start actually by looking ahead with uh, Jen of Ruzzi with um, regard to the Fed meeting coming up. So, John, the, we've got several things to kind of go over here. Tapering, dots, overall messaging, tone. Give me the potpourri. Go where you want with this. And uh, what do you think is the most important stuff? And what do you think, um, you know, our views are different perhaps than consensus? Right. So, uh, like you said, they, they while this meeting is not as much of a risk event as it could have been uh, like a month ago before the previous job number. So, but, uh, but but we are looking at a few a few updates that uh, that you know could kind of surprise the market. Perhaps the first, uh, starting with the FOMC statement, two key things there. The first, there's probably going to be some acknowledgement that activity and employment have moderated down, just a little bit of a dovish refinement there. I think that's kind of hard to, you know, like they have to tame down expectations a little bit, mark the market, <clears throat> excuse me. And the second, of course, now we're getting towards the end of the year. Uh, we should see, we expect to see uh, an update on the language around taper a little bit and possibly even include a statement that says the taper will start this year as opposed to at the at some of the future meetings. Um, Additionally, and I can get into taper in a little bit, but just to kind of go over our, our base expectations for, for the FOMC meeting. Uh, additionally, it is a close call, but since it's the, one of the quarterly meetings, we, we, well, we're going to get the, the updated dot plot and uh, the economic projections. Uh, we, you know, that could be something that sort of catches the market a little bit off guard too, if there's a big surprise there. We do not expect any, uh, the dot plot to signal any hikes in 2022. Uh, it is a very close call, but uh, we, we think it will be maintained at the same level for now. Uh, and uh, however, for the 2023 dot plot, we expect to see a slight revision uh, uh, to to show like to, for the medium to increase a little bit. <clears throat> and just a reminder: at the June meeting, it was seven out of the 18 participants who had penciled in at least one hike for next year. So we take only two officials to to lift the median for next year. Uh, to show a hike. So it's really not that much, but like I said, it's a close call, but we do think that it, it is not, it's not going to tip over into that. Similarly for 2023, it was 13 out of the 18 officials that had a, at least one rate hike in 2023. So uh, if one more forecasts a hike in 2023, you know, like the, the median will lift up again. <clears throat> and of course, finally, uh, the economic projections should show, uh, like, I, like I mentioned, a relatively lower GDP expectations and higher inflation expectations for 2021, which kind of the inflation part reverses a little bit next year. And really officials have to increase their inflation forecast this year in order to maintain uh, sort of like credibility given how much we've uh, run up in inflation. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was discussing with our economist, Kevin Cummings was saying, you know, like at this point, if they don't update them up, with, uh, if they don't revise their uh, inflation expectations, we basically have to have deflation for the remainder of the year for them to you know, kind of match reality. And for GDP, of course, they have to reflect the slowdown in activity. So those are the key things we're looking at. Okay. So it sounds like our views of, you know, a November announcement for December start are still on track then? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, go ahead. 
Sorry. No, I was just saying, I know you've done actually some analysis in combining that with um, our expectations that the treasuries could start reducing supply starting in November. How do those two net out if we look forward kind of from the, you know, let's assume that we're right on both fronts and going forward into 22, how does that, like, is there more reductions? Is there more, or sorry, more reductions in the Fed pace or does that change the supply and demand balance? So of course, there's a couple of caveats there. That it, it, while it won't be as straightforward, uh, coincidentally, it just happens so that our forecast is for altogether after once the, so just as like a background, we expect from the November refunding, Treasury to start cutting coupon issuance just because they ramped up so much and now this current base is overfunding them so much. Uh, just so coincidentally happens that our forecast for the entire drop in, in, uh, in Treasury coupon supply for uh, starting from November and into next year is about uh, $1 trillion, which happens to be exactly how much, not exactly, but very close to the $960 billion or so that the, that the Fed absorbs in uh, Treasuries each year with the current $80 billion uh, a month purchase space so those you know like on a high level picture they would net out which of course they wouldn't because the composition and uh you know treasury issues brand new securities that are much more liquid and the fed buys uh, uh off the runs from the secondary market providing you know the, the greatest amount of liquidity for them uh so those won't offset each other and you could have some more technical complications but on a amount less for the public yes i think they pretty much if we are right will end up offsetting each other Mm, not coincidental, I, I would say. All right. Thanks for that, John. We'll see how that turns out next week. We'll check in after. Um, I'm going to turn now to Giles Gale. Giles, so um, Europe, any follow-ups that, you know, the views on the ECB? We did cover that last week, but just want to see if there's any anything new on that front. Um, and related to the ECB was, you know, that we saw some revisions upward in growth and inflation, but not as much as we thought they could. Yet the market has seen ongoing increases in market inflation. Like you, you look at Euro, you know, five-year, five-year, we've basically been grinding higher all year. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? And then I'm going to throw in, you know, another wrinkle, which is why haven't nominals moved quite as much with, you know, especially in the long end in Europe with this grind higher in inflation expectations? Okay, so quite a few things there. I mean, I, I suppose that from the ECB, not that much new in terms of you know, what the way that we think about them. Um, there was a, you know, I mean, there, there was a Schnabel speech this week, which you know, spent a lot of time discussing their view of rates, which I thought was was quite interesting. And now I've been telling everyone to at least, at least have a look at her uh, the, the slides from that speech because you know, there's some quite interesting stuff in there. And essentially what she's saying, which isn't going to surprise any sort of market specialist, I suppose, is that break-evens, you know, as in break-even inflation, you know, market-based inflation expectations can rise quite a lot compared to you know, what they might have been able to do in the past without that necessarily implying a higher uh, no, a higher path for for interest rates, simply because they've been so successful, and this is no, this is all about their, you know, them patting themselves on the back, I suppose. They've been so successful, you know, maybe just in the last six months or so, um, at sort of fighting back against this expectation that they operate on some kind of you no know, Taylor rule type uh, you know, reaction function. 
Um, you know, so so there, you know, I mean, if you've been listening to the ECB recently, you know, even if not paying all that much attention, there wasn't all that much, I think, that you would be particularly surprised by. The other thing that she was saying, though, um, you know, this is a little bit tangential from your question, John, but um, no, regardless, I think it was important. The other thing that she was saying was that you know, in, in their assessment, um, no, just macro uncertainty and particularly sort of related to COVID um, has been depressing yields quite a bit. So, so there, and, and there, it seems like the assumption is that that will dissipate over the coming months. Um, at least that's you know, it's a pretty strong base case. And I think that's an important thing just to, to, to bear in mind that you know, they, they are taking this slightly more permissive stance with regard to, 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 to longer term market rates in, no, in, in the expectation that the pressure will be upwards in, in rates. And so, you know, that I think is you know, an, an interesting little shift, if you like. So, you know, if, if, if the basic question is any, anything new to think about the ECB, no, but a bit of an evolution on that front there. There was also a whole load of stuff about you know, how much of an impact that you know what they're doing is having on on rates. You know, how much does QE? You know, how much are they squeezing the market? Um, you know, what's the free float in in, in bonds outstanding and, and and so on? And I think you know it's it's always interesting to hear, given that they are the ones that are the really you know the biggest player in the market and they're the ones you know, at times are, are viewed as squeezing rates. It's it's interesting just to hear from them the way that they view it um so so that was really the um the the discussion this um this week um on on inflation listen i mean no infl inflation all of a sudden is interesting in in europe and i mean now this is something that's been coming for for a while um no, I mean we've had a pretty much one direction rally all year in um, in, in in long term sort of in, in inflation break even. So you know we've been talking about one point eight five as a kind of long term sort of year end ish kind of target for for the five year five year measure of uh, of inflation expectations. And you no, know, we have actually, I mean, you know, from that looking you know, surprising potentially ridiculous at the beginning of the year. I mean, we're within striking distance now. Um, but what's more, the, the curve is actually inverted. So you know, all this stuff about, you know, supply constraints and labor markets, you know, I mean, I know how tight are those and you know, are the skills mismatches and is immigration a problem and all these kinds of things. They all really seem to be urgent at the moment. And you know, I think that this question of how transitional inflation is going to be, even in Europe, you know, okay, maybe it is, you know, maybe it does wash out, but it's not washing out nearly as quickly as people thought. And I think that is um, is, is starting to change the way that uh, the way that people think about rates overall. But you know, something I've 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 repeated again and again. You know, we came into this year with the you know this low inflation kind of low inflation trap kind of mindset, which really sort of sets the tone for for euro normal rates. And I think that that is being eroded at the moment. Okay, so on euro nominal rates, so we've seen bonds go from minus fifty when you know you went to the sidelines over the summer realizing the technicals. Now we're at minus thirty. What do you see between here and your end? And and you mentioned a little bit about how the ECB 
you know, taking out bonds and how they're looking at it. Side note, I always think it's fascinating how the Fed says like, oh, inflation expectations look anchored, but then they buy most of the public supply of it, um, of tips. <laughs> but, you know, how does, I mean, how does like the, the new supply demand dynamic impact your view? Does it not? Is it only on the marginal side? Basically, where do you see 10-year bonds going to the end of the year? Right. I mean, no, I, I still see high yields. Um, you know, I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, but you know, I think it's still perfectly reasonable to, to project you know, a move towards, say, zero for, for 10-year bonds. Um, and you know, just on the supply side, you know, I mean, we, we did a whole load of work last week on you know, the, this basic question of how much of supply is coming onto the market and how much is the ECB sucking back out again and how much is left for everyone else. Now, it seems like, you know, roughly speaking, all, you know, there are compositional things, you know, so there's cre credit and surplus and government and deficit. But overall, it looks like we've got, you know, we're roughly in balance. And we have actually been for most of the year. You know, I mean, I suppose that given that we <laughs> we sold off a lot in the first part of the year, then we squeezed. And, you know, how does that really leave us? Um, no, I, I think it leaves us okay to engage with fundamentals between now and the end of the year. And I think that as people think about recovery for next year, and the conversation we'll have to have in a couple of weeks' time when uh, European governments start submitting their draft budgets for 2022, will be what does the supply picture look like? Um, you know, on a you know, perspective, not just to the end of the year, but for the for the whole of the rest of next year, and there, I think you know we will um, you know, we we will be talking again in terms of you know a fairly bearish environment, and you know, people I think will want to engage with that. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining this episode of Bondcast. Next week, we look forward to doing some recap on you know these major central bank meetings and how they're going to impact our views going forward. As always, please remember to hit subscribe so you can watch our latest episodes as soon as they're available and hit the like button so it's easier for others to find. Thank you very much.